You are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. I'm Sam Mador, overthinker extraordinaire. This week, I'm overthinking about fitting in with my pal, Esther Bejarano. My pal, Esther Bejarano. Hey, Esther. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Pretty good. I am excited to have this conversation with you because it's funny. So we've known each other for a few years, but have just sort of been reintroduced to each other in the last year. And I don't think of you as an overthinker, but I think I'm going to be proven wrong. What do you think? So what you're saying is you don't think I'm a thinker. (laughs) <laughs> Much less an overthinker. No, like an overthinker. You know, some people, like, I'm like, I'm, I guess I know what's going on in my own brain, so it's easy for me to say that I, I look like an overthinker, but I don't think of you as an overthinker. I think of you as, like, somebody who, you know, you make a decision and you stick with it. After I overthink about it, yes. Okay, okay, this is good. This is good. So the topic we're going to overthink about is fitting in. And we are literally just coming off of a, uh, a meeting that where we were, uh, it's a welcome network meeting. So it's about welcoming people, newcomers into our area. And so I thought it was a perfect conversation for us to have because fitting in is like, for me, fitting in is a big deal. And I think that it is for anybody who is moving to a new place. Would you agree? Absolutely, and that can be taken a lot of different ways. So fitting into your community, fitting into your new circle of friends, and what you think you should be, who you should be, versus who you are, or what you feel comfortable sharing. So yeah, there's a lot of layers to that for sure. There's a lot of layers. So can we go back to when you moved here? So we're in Truro. We're having this conversation in Truro, which is in Nova Scotia, which is in Canada. You are from, are you from Arizona? I'm originally from Mexico. You're originally from Mexico. Yeah, so I moved to Arizona when I was six or seven. Okay. Um, Just my dad got a job there for the Mexican consulate, so the whole family moved there. I was there for 23 years, Um, and then I moved to Canada in 2009. Mm -hmm. Was it just 2009? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I guess that was longer ago than I'm realizing in my head. Well, once you get older, time just kind right. Of it's like oh wait, like that short. was actually a long time ago. So the let's other day, just keep as going. I say, <laughs> which the other day could be yesterday, two years ago, fifteen years ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, I moved to Canada, and I was in BC first, mm-hmm. and then I moved into moved to Nova Scotia, two thousand fourteen. So I think I met you fairly soon after that. Yeah, my sense of time is, is way off, but um, but yes, I would say that is true, around 2015 or so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from Truro. Like a lot of small towns, Truro has been known as being a clicky kind of town, right? Like, that's sort of how it's always been branded to people who aren't from here, uh, or maybe even to people who are from here, but... Um, so having the opportunity to shift that and to welcome people in a new way, I think is so important for Truro, but also for any small town. How did you feel when you first moved here in terms of how you felt you fit in? 
Well, it was a little different for me because, you know, when you say that tarot can be clicky, I hear that all the time, and not just from newcomers that are immigrants, but people that may have moved from a different part of the province or even a right. different part of Canada. They, they just, they have that feeling that's, that uh, it's really hard to get into, you know, new friendship bubbles or cliques. Yeah. Um, especially if you don't have kids or children, that makes it even extra difficult. Totally. Um, but for me, because I came in and my job was about community relationships, I just went out of my way to really meet people, talk to orga- people from organizations that might be supportive of newcomer settlement and integration. So I just mm. kind of forced myself to get out of my comfort zone to meet people. And so that really helped. Whereas if I just come and worked in a another job that didn't require that community yeah. relationship building, then I probably wouldn't know 25% of the people that I do know now. So that's really helped me to be able to get myself out there more. And, Right. You sit at a committee meeting, like we were just, right? And that's where we met, too, all those years ago, is when you're sitting at that committee table, you're meeting people from all different organizations. A lot of times it's the same people sitting around the same tables or different tables. But, yeah, it does put, like, you're right. It puts you out there more than if you had a different job, for example. I think it was when you were at the... I worked for the town. Diversity committee, right? Yes. That's yeah. you were leading Embrace Festival at the time. That's when I met you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of that, like, the work that you did at the time, because it's shifted a little bit, but the work that you did at the time was really grassroots. Somebody immigrates to Truro, to Nova Scotia, to Truro, and you kind of welcome them with open arms and, and show them where to go to do certain things, but also to host events. So I think that's what you were doing primarily at the time that I met you was like, when people do come, you have a potluck and you get together and you, so you're making friends with folks who have also immigrated mm-hmm. more so than, than uh, how do I say, more so than like immersing them in with the rest of the community. Does that make sense? Yeah, so when I first started, I literally didn't know anyone because I was new to the community myself, so that really helped me to, with that settlement and integration piece, too, because then it's like, okay, well, I don't know who's who, who does what, and so when I went around um, making those connections, it was like, now I can show the newcomers that are moving here, like, who's who, what's what, and of course, I love food, and food (laughs) just brings people together regardless of where you're from, and so a lot of... uh, the events that we would have are we're surrounded by food, especially potlucks, because then we can try each, each other's you know yeah. recipes and cooking and yeah. And so that was a big piece. And I remember when I first started because it was a very new program that I had to go and just walk around and stop people and visit them and say, hey, by the way, I'm this I I'm here to support newcomers. Please spread the word. Or do you need help? And then that's how it kind of got started. Oh, and eventually, man. I didn't have to do that anymore because those relationships were, you know, a bit more established. And then they started reaching out to me directly. But it was that's how it started. And so, wow. for someone that's not from here, born here, it like, was how just do you get like, up the nerve to do that? I, that would like it makes my hands clammy just thinking about it. Um, I'm a bit more. Uh, I guess I would say I'm more brave when I wear my professional hat versus mm. my yeah fair just Esther hat and yep. I push myself to to uh, get out of my comfort zone I don't know what it is about that but it's somehow I feel like That's I could do fair. it and then I'm just Esther and I'm just like socially awkward so <laughs> I don't know 
There's two Esthers. There's, a, there's two Esthers. <laughs> one is the one who can approach people unawkwardly, and the other one, not so much. <laughs> or at least I think I'm not awkward, yeah, but I'm no, just going to go. Right. Yeah, that's right. I'm more confident. Because, and, because that's, I mean, when you're saying that, fitting in. Like, I would overthink, even if I'm wearing my professional hat, I would overthink that scenario to be like, I can't just walk up. Like, nobody even knows who I am. Like, how do I just walk up to somebody and tell them what I'm here for or what, you know what I mean? Like, I would even just talk myself out of that process. So something that's really helped me with that, and I haven't been using this lately, but when I first uh, listened to uh, Mel Robbins, the five-second rule, which I think you're the one that I originally had suggested to read that or recommended it. So good. Um, I would overthink about, oh, I have this feedback or this thought. You know, you're in Zoom meetings, you're at the table, and you're like, oh, I'm surrounded by really amazing people who yep. know their stuff, they're experts, and what do I have to add? That's of any value. So I would just, that would go on in my head constantly. And what I started to do was doing that five-second rule, which is five, four, three, two, one, just do it. Yes. And then I would do it, and it's like, my feedback or comment was, you know, taken well, and it was yep. it was of value. But it, you know, you kind of there were times when I would miss my moment, and then somebody else would bring it the same thing up, and I'm like, oh, I was gonna say that, <laughs> or it's completely lost because I was too much in my head worrying about what people are gonna think, or feeling like, oh, that was that was a stupid comment, like nobody wants to hear that, right? So it's that kind of just stopped me and said, oh, just do it. And then that's kind of helped to build my confidence and feeling like I have something to add to to the table. And totally. now it's like, okay, now you can shut up, Esther, because now I can't stop talking. So <laughs> I don't know, maybe I should do five, four, three, two, one, stop talking. Yeah, hey, no, never. So, and does it help to, in some cases, and it depends on the table you're sitting around, obviously, but in some cases, to feel like you're speaking on somebody else's behalf. So instead of, oh, I'm going to ask this question that may sound dumb, but if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to ask this on the behalf of, you know, all of the people that are depending on me to make sure that they know what to do when they immigrate to Truro kind of thing. I am the leader of those who want to ask the stupid questions, (laughs) and I'll ask it for you, and I'll take the hit. Um, I have done that before. Uh, now, you know, if I if I think that somebody's kind of, you know, maybe they've made a, a comment, a sidewalk comment to me, and they don't feel like they could bring stuff up. I have yeah. done that before, um, mainly because I'm so used to just, you know, I have my other goofy personality, so I'm used to making a fool of myself. And I figured, oh, what's one more? <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes it does, it works out, and sometimes it's. Uh, yeah, it was a stupid question. That is hilarious. Uh, this is so funny. So just to give a bit a bit more background, so we also are in a choir together, and I have shared on my podcast in the past that uh, it scared the shit out of me to join this choir because singing, like I can act in front of people, I can speak, like I can do, you know, presentations in front of people and have no issue. Singing makes me, like, so nervous. So uh, we're part of this choir, and I immediately, there's so many times in the first semester of this choir that I was like, I do not fit in here. Like, that was something that kept plaguing me, like, I do not fit in here. And it wasn't until we had our performance in December where I was like, yes, I do. Like, where it was, because originally, because I didn't really feel like part of the crew, I didn't know as many people, it was like... um, I don't know. It was. I didn't feel like part of the 
team mm-hmm. necessarily, but then when you're in a present or when you're in a performance, it's like you're all the same. You're all just showing up. You're getting your makeup on. You're doing whatever, and you're just you're part of it. So it it's weird how, and I don't know if you can relate to that at all. How you can your mind can sort of trick you into thinking you don't fit in when really you do. Oh, absolutely. Especially when it's something. Well, for me, when it's something that I really care about, I really want to mm-hmm. make sure I'm doing it right. I guess you could say. In quotations, right? Yeah. Um, and singing for me has always been what I love to do, but it's also been like my biggest thing to overcome because I put so much pressure to make sure that it's good. Yeah. Good, good quality. So then it's, so I totally understand. We're like, oh, I'm not good enough to be here. Yeah. And then you realize everybody th- is probably thinking that too. <sighs> and then you kind of build this sense of camaraderie. Camaraderie. Camaraderie, yeah. I can speak. <laughs> um, and then you share those same feelings and you're like, oh, I feel the same way. And then, you know, those barriers get broken down and you feel like, oh, I'm one of you now because we're all going through this yeah. terrifying experience together. And I mean, some people may not feel terrified, but I definitely do. And so I just tend to look at my director and like I've told people, if you come to our concerts, don't expect me to look at you because I'm going to get really nervous. So just don't look at me or I won't look at you. And don't take it personally. This is just to keep me focused. That, by the way, was the most shocking part was, and this is a total sidebar, but we performed at, what was the name of the church? St. Andrew's Church in Toronto, anyway, it doesn't matter, but I, and the lights were on. Like, normally when I'm doing a theater performance, the house lights go down. Like, you can't, you can see the audience, but you can't really see them. So it's kind of like you're acting, like, by yourself? Totally, yeah. Like, you're just, like, you're acting, you know there's an audience there and whatever, but the house lights go down, so you can't see them as, you don't think of them as people. But in that setting, the lights were just up. It was like we were in, like, a gymnasium or something, (laughs) you know, and that was a little nerve-wracking for me. Totally like totally exposed and you can see yes. everybody's reactions and you just like <laughs> I was singing Silent Night and I'm going to tr- I'm going to convince myself or I convinced myself at the time we were all around the ex- the outside of the um, audience so right. we were closer to some of the audience members and there was a man who had his eyes closed who was like sitting right by where I was singing and I was like I'm just going to pretend that he's like just so moved by the singing that he's you know, closing his eyes to feel it, but really, I think he was sleeping. <laughs> well, it was a very nice song, and if he was sleeping, we, we definitely, it was like a lullaby, right? Yeah, right. A lot of people I mean, cried, and I'm going to assume that they cried because it was beautiful, and if you have a different comment about that, just, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> right? I was like, oh my God, he's literally sleeping right in front of me. Anyway, it was Well, at least he wasn't cringing, I'm like, <laughs> at least he didn't walk out. <laughs> that would have been worse. <laughs> Oh, my God. Where do you think the need to fit in comes from? Like, obviously, we're talking about, you know, adjusting to new cultures and stuff like that. I mean, that's completely different. But for me and you walking into a choir or walking into a meeting or whatever, where does that work? Like, I feel like sometimes I'm like, I'm an adult. Why do I still give a shit about this stuff? But, like, when, where do you think that's rooted, the need to fit in? I think, for me anyway, it's rooted with my self-worth mm-hmm. um, and self-esteem. And that's... When I first came, moved to the United States as an immigrant, I was not welcomed. I, I had a lot of discrimination and racism, and I wanted to fit in because right. I didn't look like them. My mom used to make my clothes, which I, I was very proud of that fact because that means she has skills. 
but that wasn't seen that way. It was seen like, oh, you're wearing, your mom made your clothes. You know, it was just constant, mm. constant, constant, constant. And I was six or seven, so I had a lot of that bullying happening. And so yeah. for me, I think that's when a lot of that self-worth stuff happened where you, as an immigrant, you constantly have to prove yourself to be worthy to be there. And you have to work extra hard to, to make sure that you're not getting in trouble, you're getting good grades, you know, you have, yeah. you just have to work harder. And as a woman too, right, we, we, we know that we have to do that. And that, I think that just kind of stayed with me to where I hope I fit in here because I don't want to be, I don't want to be singled out yeah. in a negative way. Um, I mean, of course, like when we're talking about the choir, we're both of us are first sopranos, so of course we're made, you know, it's made up of divas, so we have that, you know, we, you know, you want to be singled out in a positive way, but when you're singled out to, to be like, yeah, you don't fit in here, sorry, and you get like the mean girl thing, um, yeah, that's, of course, that's a worry, and, and, and for me too, when I'm in the professional world, like a lot of what I do in in my work I it, I follow my instinct mm. and my creativity and I say wouldn't it be cool if we did this and I just kind of follow that not because I was educated around it or or have that skill set I just kind of build it as I go so mm -hmm. of course when I'm in a room full of people that are awesome at what they do I feel like do I yeah, like I'm in just, this room? How, how did you let me in here? You know, <laughs> I'm just flying by the seat of my pants normally. Like, what are you guys doing? But really, like you said before, everybody's probably thinking the same thing. It just comes down to your confidence level, really, of how much you share or how you step in. Exactly. And you're never going to get there unless you step out, right? So for yeah. me, last year's theme was uh, building my confidence, so, which mm -hmm. meant I had to put myself in a place where I was uncomfortable but if I wanted to build that skill or that feeling, then I had to put myself out there whether I was comfortable with it or not. Because if I think that I'm not going to be good at something, I don't want to do it. So when you were mentioning like oh, those totally. dance, you share that flyer about, hey, you guys want to dance with me? I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be good at any of that, so no. <laughs> but it's trying to dance. I know, but that's just how my mind works, right? And so... <laughs> so you shouldn't have told me that then, now, because you want to build your confidence, so I'm going to be like, hey, Esther. No, Sam, that was last year. No. <laughs> what's, your theme? what's your theme for this year? <laughs> I'm still thinking about it, but I yeah. really am working on um, being a bit more organized with my time, because I am mm -hmm. busy in a lot of committees, a lot of projects, and I just kind of want to make sure that I'm building in that debriefing time, like make sure you write, you know, your summary for the minutes and make sure you do this and make sure you do that. Because yeah. it's just, um, it's difficult to kind of be able to make sure that you're not dropping a ball on something. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's, quite, it's quite challenging because, you know, a lot of these committees are based on building on each other's work. And so I don't want to hold anybody up. So I'm kind of focused on on being more uh, organized or intentional about how I spend my work day. Um, because That's lots of so times good. I would just come home and still work. I mean, I still do that, but I'm trying to not do that. Yeah, no, that's that's very hard, but good. <laughs> and it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. No. So I might think of a different thing. I didn't come up with the, you know, building the confidence to like February, so. That's just it. I, I'm just letting it happen. That's the thing. And, you know, obviously, as a lot of people say, January 1st is just another day on the calendar. But it is nice to at least, you know, think about that stuff. Think about how you might want to shift things for yourself. And 
the things you want to focus on for the year. Because part of, I'm assuming, part of your confidence last year, one of your challenges was doing that solo in the mm-hmm. in the show, hey? The concert? Yes. How did, like, did you, okay, this is what I often think. How many times did you think, why the fuck did I agree to do this? And, Anytime. <laughs> and, like, how Including can I... the day of the solo as I was singing it. <laughs> how can I back out gracefully? Oh, I've thought that many times. And in fact, I've been asked to do solos before and um, it's been a long time since I've done that. So like I started to get a bit of stage fright Mm -hmm. um, because you're, you know, you're, when you do a solo, everybody's looking at you and it's just like, oh. Um, But I thought, okay, this is obviously important to me. And and in order for me to get more comfortable, then I need to do it more often. Um, Now, Jackie's going to be like, okay, well, now you've done it once. Now you've got to keep doing it. And so, of course, I was afraid of that. But Did I see that you are doing another one, though? This Am I? Oh, maybe not. I thought I saw your name singled out somewhere. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> maybe if, if it was, breaking. I haven't checked it yet. But uh, I'm going to, right after this, I'm checking what's going on here. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I, and I think... The beauty of the choir that I have learned, because I talk, I was like, how am I going to even do this performance? Because I had, I had to miss a couple, I was sick, and all of those things. I was like, I just have to back out. Like, this is ridiculous. But the beauty of the choir legit was to hold me up. Like, you guys held me up. Like, it was like, and I think that was the case maybe for you and your solo, too. It was like... You you relied on the people around you to be like to support you through that, and that's a beautiful relationship. It is, and actually, this was the first semester that I really felt like we were really. Not to say that it didn't happen before, but because I was newish, yeah, you know, with COVID, we had to wear masks, and so you didn't really get that, you know, camaraderie when we were there. We didn't get to really talk to each other. So if you're in a different section, you're like way on the other side. I don't really. Yeah, we right. don't have any interaction until right. we sing together. Speaking of clicky, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we start first sopranos. We don't like to hang out with any other section. If you want to talk to us, you come to us. <laughs> That's right. We need jackets. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, it's not a bad idea. Anyway, um, yeah. So, and I think, and again, it was that. And I, I think it goes back to my theater days, too. Like, when you're part of a production or you're part of a performance like that, you really do rely on the people around you to... Uh, you're in a, your own little world, right? You're in your performance bubble. Mm-hmm. And you come off of that with a little bit of, like, you know, I have a, an event hangover, I call it. Like, right? Because you're just, like, it's just such a warm, great feeling. And then you just want the next thing. Yeah, you bond. And there's yeah. that high of performance and, you know that feeling of doing well and sharing what you've been working on with people yeah. that you know or don't know. And uh, yeah, for me, I had, one of the things I had to do was share that I was doing a solo because even before I did solos, I wouldn't really invite people to come because I was worried that, yeah, you know, like, oh, I don't want people looking at me or I'm going to get nervous. But this time I was like, no, I'm going to say it so that I don't back out. Not that I would have, but that's another reason to not. Totally. And I just had a really amazing response because I did this through Facebook, my personal profile, and I had a lot of support that I was not expecting. Um, and it could be that just people didn't realize that this is the stuff that ha- goes on in my head of, like, this insecurities and, and so on. And I still, even though I did it, 
Um, of course, I'm still critiquing, like, yeah, that could have been better, you know? But I did it, and I'm going to keep working to improve and so on. But, yeah, that's that accountability piece that I needed to include in there for myself. Right? Because then you would have to explain to people why you didn't do it. Exactly. Because you had already put it out that you were doing it. Yeah. I do that, too. I absolutely do that, too. Although with this, I was like, not that this was a big deal, but I was emceeing, and I never told anybody because I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to bail. So, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> you used it as your backup. Yeah. Yeah. And when you know that about yourself, then you have to really push yourself to, That's to just tell it. people about it so that you don't back up back out of things 100% it's yeah. a, it's because you're an awesome and MC so hey thanks it's like it's it's a knee-jerk reaction for me and it's a problem for me to um to feel like I don't fit in create some narrative in my head that I'm like I shouldn't be here you know all of whatever those self-deprecating thoughts are mm-hmm. and then actually convince myself that I'm right so I just step back and because I think I'm right I think, well, everybody's going to understand why I did that because I didn't fit in in the first place. Are you following? I'm following you because it wasn't until I would read, like, your Facebook posts or listen to your podcast that I was like, really? All this is happening in your head? Because when I think of you, I don't think of you not being enough or good enough. To me, I'm like, what? And same. When I said you weren't, you don't, I don't think of you as being an overthinker because I see a confidence in you that I wouldn't expect to be related to my insecurities, like to be on that same level. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem. And that's why I put out a post the other day on Instagram to say, like, please, please, please um, be okay with telling people when you're not okay. Like, just normalize those conversations mm-hmm. of saying my mental health is in the shit like it's in the toilet right now yeah. like because you just honestly and I'm not the first one to say it you never know what somebody else is is going through right exactly so I, I get a, a people comment to me all the time that I that they perceive me as being a very confident person mm-hmm. and I always laugh at that because it's like well that's not what's going on in my head however this last year I've felt a lot better but I'm also just in struggling with depression and anxiety in the past. Like, mm-hmm. I'm on medication that actually works now. Mm-hmm. And so that's really um, turned those voices down a lot, which has helped me to be able to step out more versus they were so loud and consistent that I didn't feel like I could. And so that's really, really helped me a lot. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that because, man, we could go off the tracks on a whole medication conversation because... <laughs> I just said to my husband the other day, I think I need to adjust my medication again, which I think probably for him makes his head want to explode because it's like, it's a, it's a rough process as you can relate. Mm-hmm. It's like, I actually think I have to lower my dosage because I'm, I'm at the point mm-hmm. where, maybe you can relate to this, where I feel like I don't feel things. You're kind of numbing Yes. Out. I don't cry, and anybody who knows me knows that I'm a crier. Like, I am an emotional person, right? Mm -hmm. And part of, obviously, when you take your antidepressants is, like, you want to level out some of that emotion, but I think I've gone too far. But you don't want to, like, cut it out altogether. It's like, I feel sad, but I'm not expressing that sadness the Mm -hmm. way that I think my body should. Yeah. But man, it's a hard conversation to have, but it is tough. It's like, okay, um... Joy, you're just going to have to move out for a bit until I get this figured out. It's so hard adjusting to new medication and then also adjusting levels of your medication. It's like, holy crap. 
Yeah, it's tough because like you don't know how your body's gonna react, what's gonna work, what's not gonna work. I mean, I've done, I've taken them before, and nothing changed, nothing happened. So I stopped taking them, and I yeah. was feeling like crap all the time. And then I came to a point where it was, I needed to do something because I was just not in a good place. And once I start, you know, once they kind of hit, <laughs> it was, it was a big difference that I don't feel that darkness like I used to, That's which awesome. is which is great. So. Um, but I, but I'm feeling a lot of my emotions, and actually, I'm reconnecting with that person that I remember from like high school and early college. Mm. And I'm like, oh, there she is. Oh, like that's I thought, because awesome. I've just been like blah for years, and I'm like, you know, I used to be different, and now I'm kind of reconnecting with that. So it feels good. Well, it's funny you say that because I talked about this before too, but I don't think I remember how to have fun. I struggle with that all the time. In fact, fun was my original theme for last year. And I was right. like, I don't really think I can do this. I don't know how to have fun. Like, I can't even think of fun things to do. I'm just going to work on my confidence. <laughs> but then from that, hopefully comes the fun. Right? I had so much fun. In fact, I'm trying to be able to connect with people like more like you and Sarah, right, where we're constantly talking to each other and having fun and laughing. Like, I need to laugh. Mm-hmm. Um Instead of like, oh, I know these people from committees and I really like them and I think we'd be really good friends, but then I don't take the time to build on those. So I'm really working on, you know, trying to build on those relationships that I think, you know, would be good friends and just kind of get myself out there more and socialize. So instead of, and part of that does come back to fitting in too, right? Like I think, especially if you think, oh, well, those two, they're closer to me than I am to them. So I'm not going to even bother kind of mm. thing, right? And I'm not saying that about me and Sarah, but I just mean that you're you kind of, again, your brain kind of sort of takes over and you're like, well, no, they already seem like and they have their own thing. you overthink about it. Yes, you overthink about it. And then in the time you're overthinking about it, you're missing out on just going out and having fun. Or exactly. striking up a new conversation with somebody. And I mean, and that could be the case too, right? Because you know each other, you're, you're been friends, or, or not just you and Sarah, but like... Anybody else out there, but you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to build those relationships if you don't even try, yeah. right? So it's but it's that conversation before you try, that that's where people tend to get stuck, uh, or I get stuck, or we get stuck, oh, and so it's like, okay, let's just five, four, three, two, one, that bitch, and be like, I'm gonna go hang out with Sam today, right? And um, or at least ask because exactly who cares. It's so weird how I often feel like I, I do mentally go back to, like, junior high school where it's, like, where those same insecurities were coming out. Like, mm. it's just, like, <laughs> how do you make a new friend when you're 42 years old? You know? Like, it's just, like, but it's so lame. But at the same time, I think a lot of us do struggle with that because you get in your routines. And so exactly what do you do? Exactly. It's hard to break away from those. But when you do, um, you can have a lot of fun. But you just got to... You just got to put yourself out there, and I know we keep saying that, but yeah. that's that's the key. In fact, when, when in speaking with newcomers or people, immigrants that move into the community, one of the things that they say is, if you're that kind of person that uh, takes the initiative to reach out, to meet people, to go to events, and just really get out of your comfort zone and just kind of connect with people, that you're going to have the great highest rate of success in your new community, in your new life in Canada, because... You're making those connections, whereas if you're too shy or you're just like, no, I'm going to wait for someone to come to me, or mm-hmm. you just don't do it at all, then 
you're not going to meet anybody new and you're going to be in the same place that you were when you first came here two years ago, for example. Um, so that's, that's key. But I mean, I know that not everybody feels comfortable or has the language to do that. Right. But that was one of the, uh, the highlights that came out of that conversation were that you kind of just have to put yourself out there. And I'm talking to people born in Canada too. Like there's some, there's times people might been living here forever and not have a lot of friends, but I mean, that's, and feel isolated and lonely, yeah. but you kind of have to force yourself to get out of your house or force yourself to reach out to make those connections. They don't just happen on their own. And then, and you're absolutely right, and then the other part, when you have mental illness on the, on the other side of it, is mm-hmm. like beating yourself up for not doing that. You know what I mean? Like right. if I'm sitting there and I go, oh, there's this event... And then I decide, oh, I'm not going to go. I don't feel like going or I talk myself out of going. Then it actually is almost worse when I don't go because I'm beating myself up for not having the opportunity and not taking it. And I feel like that all the time. Like, I'm not a party person. And yeah. I think, of, oh, I should go, but I really don't want to. But once I'm there, I have fun. It's just the... It's getting there. Getting out. Getting out of the house. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Like, once you get there you're going to be fine. Like you're always, like it's always works out that you have a good time or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's just, sometimes you just can't get out the door. But, That's going especially back in to the Mal, winter. Oh yeah, the winter's brutal. But going back to Mel Robbins, mm-hmm. five, four, three, two, one, do it. Yeah. Just go. Unless yeah, you're like, you know. For so many things. It does not work to get me to bounce out of bed, I'll tell you that. You know what's funny? Because originally I was like, oh, that's great for the mor- my morning routine. And that's kind of how she marketed it at first, was sort yeah. of like your morning routine. Forget it. Like, I just know that doesn't work for me for that. Yeah. Because I'm going to hit snooze. Oh, yeah. I'm a snoozer. And then I have to say hi and pet all the animals first before I can even get out of bed. So it's like, no, sorry, Mel. It didn't work for that. But it does work for, you know. <laughs> other things like this is going to bring us back to the conversation we had before we went live because I was just going to say I yesterday was like it's January January blues blahs whatever are a very real thing Mm -hmm. and I have been really struggling the last two weeks um but anyway I forced myself to put on a song and while I was making my tea yesterday morning it's the new Arkell song I mentioned it when I chatted with Sue Stanfield as well uh it's called I'm just a fucking human being. It's not called that, but that's, like, the gist of it. And I'm, like, dancing around my kitchen to just try to snap myself out of this funk that I've been in. Yeah. And it worked. But this brings me to our conversation before we started of what your walk-up song would be. If you had, like, if you were, like, entering into a meeting mm-hmm. and you had, like, the, the best song to kind of make you confident enough to say all the things and do all the things you want to do in that meeting, what would it be? <laughs> it's, like... We have really deep conversations, <laughs> and this is one of them, and um, my daughter is introduced me to this group from South Korea called Blackpink. I love them. It's like hip-hop, dance, it's, it's really great, and there was one song, I think it's called Kill the Love or something, and it sounds like it would be a depressing song, but it's like a dance techno song. And just the way that it starts, it's just like, dun, 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 dun. you know, oh, kind yeah. of like a wrestler coming into the match. That's kind of how I see myself just entering the room. Like, okay, I'm here. Like, yeah. <laughs> hello. I think they should nor- also normalize having walk-up songs. Like if you, 
That would make life so much more entertaining. It would be so fun. Like, if you go to a committee meeting and every time you, like, get to pick your whatever song you walk into, like, that would be so awesome. I've said it. We go to, my husband and I go to a lot of um, Major League Baseball games, and you don't get to hear it when you're watching on TV, but they all have, like, this walk-up song that they choose when they're at their home, in the mm-hmm. home stadium. And I'm just like, how fun would that? I wouldn't be able to narrow it down. I'd have to change it every week or every game. But it's so fun. Depending on your mood? Depending on your mood, yeah. So based on your mood today, have you thought of what it would be? I know you're kind of trying to figure that out. I'm kind of trying. I want to pick the right walk-up song, but I feel like today, because I really love this song, um, it's kind of, I don't know, it almost feels too slow now that I'm saying it. But I need like a a hip-hop song. Like, a, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. one that has a good... Like, when we got married, we walked out to Mace. Um, what's it called? I'm terrible with song names. I'm terrible with song names, too. You have to sing it. Feeling good? I'm going to put you're it in the to, show notes. You're gonna have to, yeah, you're going to have to show a link there. Yeah, and I'm just terrible with, with, with songs. But anyway, it would be uh, Mace today. I'm just going to, like... Download whichever song I'm going to do for the walk-up. I like the idea of changing it up because there's a lot of yeah. good songs out there. And just, like, record it on my phone. So, And I'm coming into a committee meeting or, or entering any space. I'm just going to, like, play it on my phone and just come in. How cool. Would, like, seriously. And that's when I, when I think about fitting in. This is what I wanted to make sure we talked about. Is you want to fit in, but it's like, Why? Like, and I think me trying to fit in, when you said, I loved how you said that you are finding the person that you used to be, because I feel like that's what I need to do too. The person who was a little bit more goofy, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like the person who knew how to have fun. I think sometimes you try too hard to fit in that you lose that quirky side of yourself that, why would you want to lose that? Like if you want to be like everybody else and everybody else doesn't have a quirky side like that would be really boring I mean I know that I have yeah. a quirky car- uh, personality but I've, I've learned to own it and I'm okay with it yeah that's the part I need to get to I think again is just you just need to hang out with me more that's all own the crazy I'll be your Yoda <laughs> I love it oh god because yesterday when Esther asked me my walk-up song, it was Darth Vader's theme song. That That's was what you more, picked. I picked something I, like Pink Panther for you. You, you, you like, picked something good. Yeah. I picked Darth Vader because I just thought, burr, burr, burr. Like, you must have been having a, a dark night. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was in my basement with the blankets on. Never good. Thank you so much for... Actually, before we go, though... Do you have quotes that you go to? Like, are you a quote person like I am where you kind of draw from different things when you need motivation? I do, but I'm horrible with memory, so mm. I, I can't, I don't have a good one for you, but I do like Brene Brown a lot. Mm. And um, maybe we should leave off with the quote that Sarah said last night. What was that? I don't remember. I'm always Beyonce or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. I like it. I think that's a good one to live by, everyone. And if you want to listen to my conversation with Sarah Fleming, you go back to season one, I don't know the episode, where we were overthinking about depression, actually, but we had a lot of uh, good office references, because we're both office-aholics. We've come full Full circle, circle. and I believe Sarah was the first person that got explicit in your show, which... Of course it was. It's not surprising. Yeah, I'm not surprised. 
Awesome. Thank you, Esther. This was great. It was great to be here. Thanks, Sam. Thanks again to my pal, Esther Bejarano, for overthinking with me about fitting in. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. 